When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Welcome to 3 and Out, your national NFL podcast featuring three sports media pros. Me, Ty Schalter from 538, joined by Samantha Bunton of NBC Sports and Michael Shoddy of PickWatch.com. It's time for Key Takeaways, our every Monday breakdown of all the hottest news and latest happenings in the world of NFL football. But first, take a minute and make sure you're subscribed, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, our Spreaker homepage, or wherever you do not want to miss an episode. And then second, make sure you leave a rating or review. They help us so much. We are trying to grow this pod. We are doing a bunch of cool stuff, and we want you to be on board. We want as many people as possible to get on board with you. Tell your friends, listen to 3 and Out, and we're going to keep doing it twice a week for you. Let's get right into it. We had a full slate of NFL action, preseason action, of course, but we are here to take the key takeaways, really, uh, just like we, we do once we're in the actual season. So, Samantha, what is your key takeaway from this week's action? So coming back around to something we talked about last week on our last episode with Kevin Fishbane of The Athletic about the Bears. Um, and we asked yes. him about the Bills-Bears matchup that was happening over the weekend and whether this was going to be a big-time revenge game, potentially, for Mitchell Trubisky, whether he cared about this, whether the current Bears quarterbacks cared about this. And what he told us was that he figured Justin Fields, and I'm sure he's right about this, probably doesn't care about this at all. I'm sure Andy Dalton doesn't care much about it at all. But that Mitchell Trubisky probably cared very, very much about putting together a good showing against his former team where there was, well, things weren't exactly easy for Mitchell there, whether that's fair or not. Kind of, uh, everybody has a different opinion on that, but we can all appreciate that, that given how his time with the Bears went, that Mitchell Trubisky would want to kind of show them that, hey, he can make it somewhere else. So I love a revenge narrative. I'm also a big Mitchell Trubisky apologist, which is, is not to assert that I think Mitchell Trubisky was like secretly an outstanding starting quarterback and was wasting away in Chicago. But I do think he was a little bit unfairly maligned. And I think he's somebody who's going to be a great backup. And I, I, he did a great job of kind of demonstrating that. Now, I always want to put it out there that I do think that personal motivation is very, very real, even at a professional level. So I don't know that you can count on this level of performance from a guy who was in the biggest revenge game of his life here, even though it's only preseason, doesn't necessarily mean sometimes people kind of outplay their ability in situations like that. And of course, it is preseason, so we have to take it a little bit with a grain of salt because... They're not exactly facing the, you know, first team Bears defense in this situation. But I do think it's pretty telling that Trubisky, you know, he played a full first half, four straight touchdown drives. Very, very important. 221 yards and a touchdown. 
uh, for him as well. And I, I think, you know, in completing 70% of his passes and, and really looking like he was kind of adjusting in the moment pretty well, that, okay, this is great. You know, Mitch, Mitch gets his revenge. He beats the Bears by a huge margin. He's won this round, so to speak. But more importantly, I think the Bills have found themselves a, a pretty good backup here. I, I think Trubisky is going to be an, an excellent quarterback by backup standards behind Josh Allen. So the Bears, I mean, doesn't matter much to them. But I think it matters hugely for Mitchell Trubisky what's happened here. And I do think this is a positive for the Bills going forward as well. What do you guys think? All right, let me throw another like gigantic uh, Utah salt flats uh, grain of salt on this because not only is it preseason and we know preseason doesn't matter, uh, but it's also against a defense that wasn't doing the sort of things that gave Trubisky fits when he was an NFL starter, the, the blitzes, the disguise coverages, the line stunts, all of the things that you start throwing out in the regular season, those you keep in your hip pocket during the preseason. You don't throw out your full defensive complement to get on tape for your you know week one opponent to study. That being said, what the Bills did here, uh, what Trubitsky did here was basically ensure that he is not going to be a Buffalo Bill for long. They basically showed that when it comes around to whether it's next offseason or whenever there is a needy quarterback, Trubitsky's name is going to be towards the top of that list. Uh, along with, you know, we're going to talk about the Saints situation in a little bit. Uh, you know, there's obviously the Teddy Bridgewater lock situation. There's a couple of these situations around the NFL. And obviously, Trubitsky isn't going anywhere near uh, the starter who's an MVP caliber candidate in Buffalo in Josh Allen. But Honestly, if you're looking for a quarterback and you start looking around and you say, okay, maybe I'm not getting a guy in the draft this next offseason. Maybe my go guy goes down with an injury. All of a sudden, you're watching that Buffalo, quote unquote, revenge game a little bit differently, even though you know, even though everybody knows that it's not real. It's just a, a reasonable facsimile of an NFL game. Uh, you still sort of say to yourself, I think I could work with that. I think I could do something with that. The other big thing that I think a lot of people are saying, and again, I, I think because of the fact it's a preseason game, this is overblown, is there is seemingly a pretty wide evident chasm between the level of coaching and offensive game planning of a Matt Nagy and Brian Dable, who's considered one of the offensive geniuses <laughs> in the NFL. So the fact that Brian Dable uh, did not get... I'm still shocked he didn't get the Chargers job this last offseason, um, but I'm yeah, shocked he didn't yeah. get any job at all. So uh, if, if you're looking for a quarterback, I think Trubisky is going to be at the top of some of those lists. And if you're looking for a coach, I think Brian Dable uh, should be uh, bar none at the top of a lot of those lists. Yeah, the interesting thing for me, Trubisky, of course, like you said, Shadi, defense keeps it vanilla. He had a very clean pocket. Um, I think. Pro Football Focus only charted uh, like three pressures on him uh, in the in the first. I think it was in the first half. Uh, also, so, something the Bears can't do because their offensive line is trash. Uh, right, right. Uh, so, so all of that, you know, all that together, you give Trubisky a clean pocket. Um, you give him a vanilla defense. You let him make some easy reads. You let him make a lot of short throws, which he did. You know, still twenty for twenty-eight is twenty for twenty-eight. Um, but you know, he didn't start getting aggressive until a little bit later in the game, and. You know, 
for me, the, the personal motivation factor is huge. I think what really stands out is the contrast of Andy Dalton, who, you know, the Bears, I believed up until this point and to an extent still believe are right in saying, hey, like we got this guy, Andy Dalton. He's been a career long you know, Andy Dalton's worst season is about as bad as Mitchell Trubisky's consistently been. You, you can expect him to come in and, and be a steady hand at the tiller and be an immediate upgrade. Well, then he went head to head with Mitchell Trubisky and looked terrible and couldn't get anything going. He had one big pass in, but the fact that, that Andy Dalton was out there in the third quarter still trying to up, you know, save face is, is really ridiculous and, and and just that it's impossible not to make that contrast between Trubisky and Dalton and I think it's just so much more evidence that a lot of times especially with quarterback but a lot of times it's about the landing spot it's about the supporting cast it's about are you asking a player to do what they can do well or are you asking them to rise above the situation that you've put them in because the latter is so much harder than the former and Mitchell Trubisky can thrive and, and look good in spots. And you have to think, okay, if Josh Allen goes down for a game or two, knock on wood, Mitchell Trubisky can go out there and be a diet Josh Allen. He can be, you know, he can run around. He can make some plays. He doesn't have to complete 70% of his passes, just like Josh Allen usually doesn't, uh, in order to be successful with that team and with that defense and with that run game. So uh, I, all of those things are great news for the Bills and, as you say, Shadi for Mitchell Trubisky. Um, but the Bears are on a much shorter leash, both head coach and GM, as we talked about with, with Kevin Fishbade. They've got to make it work with Justin Fields or it's not going to work at all. And there's just more and more and more pressure. They are going to have to be right because if they ride with Andy Dalton through four, five, six, seven, eight games, um, I, I think a lot of that patience will be gone. Absolutely. And I think... Look, from the Bills end, this is all to the good, right? This is just sort of, I think, a good indicator that if Josh Allen has to, say, go into concussion protocol for a couple of quarters or miss a game because of something that's sort of a minor injury, then Mitchell Trubisky can probably keep it together and function in the same offense. And that's important, too, is that he is a guy who can function similarly, as you pointed out, to Josh Allen, so they don't have to completely upend their system just to allow their backup quarterback to get by. So for Mitchell, yeah, I think this is all to the good, good for the Bills, and probably a good opportunity, as you mentioned, Shadi, for Trubisky in the future. But for the Bears... I mean, like, like you said, Andy Dalton is, he is better than Mitchell Trubisky. Now is his Mitchell Trubisky ceiling higher? I don't know. We can't really say that for sure. He's very young. I would be inclined to say no, but I also think that Andy Dalton is sort of one of those guys who it kind of depends when you catch it, what you think of him. And he is not old enough yet to be in age-related decline, the way we say, oh, yeah, that guy used to be good, but now he's on the backup. No, no, Andy Dalton is still very functional. I think he's a better quarterback than he's ever gotten credit for. Kind of gets a bad rap because of what has happened to him in the playoffs, which is certainly partially his fault, but not all his fault. A lot of that had to do with the Bengals. He wasn't the only person on those teams who was screwing up in those situations. But I, the, the idea that sort of you are kind of a the, prisoner of your circumstances that, that you were kind of pointing out tied for quarterbacks. 
completely agree with. And it, it doesn't mean that an exceptional quarterback is going to look like Nathan Peterman in a bad system or that Nathan Peterman is going to look like Aaron Rodgers in a good system, but there's a whole lot of gray area in between. And people like Andy Dalton and Mitchell Trubisky are exactly the kinds of people who are going to be susceptible to that kind of stuff. We're not talking about MVPs or bottom feeders. We're talking about these guys who kind of hang around in this slightly above to slightly below average, depending on the timing and more importantly, depending on the system they're in and whether or not that system, that coaching staff and the team around them can make them either the best quarterback they can be or the worst quarterback that, that could be. And very interesting case in Mr. Trubisky here going from a system that we're all pretty sure is <laughs> mess, um, or at least it was while Trubisky was there into a very, very good system in Buffalo. Very, very telling sort of about how he is a product kind of of the people around him and what they're able to help him achieve. Then speaking of helping quarterbacks look their best tonight, Monday night football, Saints, Jags. Uh, this one's going to be very interesting because it's going to be decisive or very close to decisive, as Peter King reported this morning. Uh, and Sean Payton's thinking about who is going to be the starting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. Obviously, Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill are both probably going to find ways to get on the field, or Sean Payton is going to find them ways to get on the field, uh, regardless of who is the nominal starter. For me, I have been saying that Sean Payton's ability to get good play out of these two quarterbacks has been broadly underrated by most people. And yet here we are at this point in the preseason and the decision still hasn't been made. He's seen these whole, these quarterbacks for, you know, he had a James Winston for a year last year, full off season. He had Taysom Hill for years before that. He knows what he's got in these guys. What do you think we're going to see tonight? What do you think this means for how far they must be or not be? And are have I been wrong in placing all my faith in Sean Payton that he's going to have a plan for these guys? So I agree with you wholeheartedly on Sean Payton. Um, I think he is probably probably the best in football right now at sort of just getting the most out of a guy and it's because he's willing to kind of adapt everything that that offense yes. does to the yes. quarterback's strengths. So, and we saw this when Teddy Bridgewater had to come in for Drew Brees, right? And we thought, my goodness, why does Teddy Bridgewater look so much better than he does in so many other situations? And it's because Sean Payton is really, really good at tailoring whatever else that team is doing to the strengths of that specific quarterback. And it doesn't matter if it's the starter, the backup, it's probably why the sort of Taysom Hill alternative mode worked so well for them. Also, it's the reason Taysom Hill is even in this conversation because he's not really a quarterback, but could Sean Payton make him a quarterback? Maybe. So I am for the most part team Jameis in this situation. I think he's got the higher ceiling. I also think it's worth noting that he probably also has the lower floor. Um, but to me, Taysom Hill is a gadget player. It's a gimmick. He's not a true quarterback. I've seen nothing that convinces me otherwise. So who knows? Maybe tonight in a Monday night football meeting was preseason game. I will see something out of Taysom Hill that finally makes me go, aha, I totally get why he's in this competition. But for me, Jameis is, is certainly the player who has the potential to be much better. However, both of these guys have gotten a lot of chances and, and nobody has like stolen the job, right? Nobody's run away with it, especially Jameis who's been had the opportunity to be a starter multiple times and didn't nail it down. 
So maybe what this comes down to is not even so much these guys and just their who has the bigger, better raw skill set and the higher ceiling, but who can take better advantage of what Sean Payton can do for them. And maybe, maybe it even comes down to which one of these guys can Sean Payton do a better job of kind of camouflaging the shortcomings and highlighting the things he does have to offer. So as long as you can play up to whatever he's handing you, then maybe, maybe the tiebreaker kind of ends up being, well, you know, who does he have better material for? Although, like you said, Ty, it is Sean Payton. I completely trust him to get the most out of either of these guys because he's so good at building around somebody's strengths. So my thought here is less about the two quarterbacks because I think you nailed it, Samantha. I think Jameis Winston really has that opportunity to be the starter. He's never going to be Drew Brees. And I think I've said that every time we've talked about this topic, I've said anyone expecting like the massive increase in Jameis Winston's potential is, you know, not paying attention to who he's been, you know, since he's you know, been a high schooler. Uh, but if you can just get him to cut down on his interceptions and throw the intermediate ball a little bit better, you're going to get a borderline Pro Bowl quarterback because that's what he's always been. He's always been a guy who's just made too many mistakes, thrown too many picks, and that has sort of cut down all of the good stuff that he does. And so if you're able to do that, and that work's not happening now, that work's been happening over the last, you know, dozen months that he's been in new Orleans. Uh, but what Taysom Hill is, isn't necessarily uh, playing to the quote unquote quarterback strengths, but I think playing to the roster strengths, because as good as Michael Thomas is, this team has some real deficiencies at the wide receiver position. And if you throw Jameis Winston out there and expect him to throw 50, 55, 60 times a game, um, you're going to be throwing down 20, 30 points <laughs> as you're doing it. And where this team has a lot of strength is along the offensive line. You know, we, we've talked about them re-signing re Ryan Ramchek, Taron Armstead is still there, Andrews Pete, Eric McCoy, Cesar Ruiz. Those are all quality starters on the offensive line that are running back. You still have Kamari and Murray. And then you bring in Devonta Freeman as like your, you know, third down slash, you know, use him every once in a while back. And that might be one of the best in that position in the entire NFL. And you've got a defense that can keep scores low. So what Taysom Hill is, is not, I think, a threat to Jameis Winston. He's a changeup. He's someone that you can throw in there and make teams stack the box, make teams not only prepare for a four wide passing attack, but make teams prepare for an outside inside zone running attack with a guy who can at any moment pull the ball, ball if you give him a good read and take it for a first down with his own legs. Jameis Winston can do some of that stuff himself. I think, again, he's a pretty underrated athlete when it comes to a quarterback back in the pocket, but you don't want to throw him out there to get hit a dozen times a game. So even though you know what you're getting when Taysom Hill comes into the game, you have to be ready for that. That's time spent in practice in the week leading up to the Saints game, that's time that the Falcons, the Buccaneers, and the Panthers have to spend during training camp preparing for this eventuality. It's not even a pension. We know that Taysom Hill is going to see the field. And the fact that you, as an offensive coordinator, as you know, Sean Payton, the head coach, the fact that you can throw this change up and potentially stick, you know, what might look like an offense from the 1940s out there means that, you know, maybe these other teams have to carry an extra linebacker or have to carry a couple of heavier linemen because they are not 
ready in nickel and dime personnel to stop what Taysom Hill brings to the field. Yeah. And it's, for me, it's, it's obvious between the two of them, which of them is an NFL starting caliber quarterback, which of them has the tools to do it. Obviously they went three and one with Taysom Hill as, as the guy, but you know, I don't think that's replicable across an entire NFL season. Certainly not with the way the defense, you know, the losses they've had on defense, certainly not with Michael Thomas still being on the pup list, you know, without him, that is a huge, huge chunk of their arsenal. And of course there's the much decried among fantasy owners lack of connection between Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara, who is their next big offensive weapon. So, you know, all signs really point to Jameis as the guy, but there's going to be some Taysom Hill. I just, for me, where I'm sitting, if, if, as he told Peter King, Sean Payton is still really split about how much workload to give each of these guys. That's, that's interesting and possibly concerning to me because what is he seeing in either of them that he hasn't seen up until this point, or what is he not seeing from either of them that he expected to see at this point? Um, you know, this, this feels like a decision you want to have made by now when you came into camp with these two guys as one a and one B. So we will see uh, tonight on, on Monday night football. And of course, if you listen to this Tuesday morning, uh, all this analysis will still be true. as we go into week three, because I doubt, Sean Payton is going to wake up and have his Tuesday morning press conference. I've decided a hundred percent of the snaps go to Taysom Hill. No more Jameis Winston. We're cutting him actually like this is this, this narrative is going to continue throughout the off season. We are going to continue when we get back on the other side of the break. We've got one more key takeaway to get to. Can't wait to talk about it here on three and out your national NFL podcast. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Jumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We are back. It's three and out your national NFL podcast. It's key takeaways Monday. We break down all of the things going on in the NFL, all the top news items hottest things and guys as we got set to record this morning it came out the Raiders reportedly called the Bears about trading back for Khalil Mack 
before ultimately signing Yannick Ngakwe in free agency. This comes from Vic Taffer of The Athletic. I, wow, the mind boggles. You know, you start going through the salary cap implications, uh, the like undoing basically a huge franchise-defining trade uh, that was made as as John Gruden walked in the door. At, uh, I'm rendered speechless. What do you guys think while I think about it? So I have to admit, guys, and, and I'm really sorry it's coming out like this. I don't want you guys to have your feelings hurt, but I called Howard Stern and Dan Patrick to see if they wanted to do a podcast before I asked you guys. Um, <laughs> like, what is this? What? what? Like, How dare you? Like, <laughs> you know, next we're going to hear he called Tom Brady to see if he wanted to play court. Like, what, what in the world? Like, it is one thing to sort of view John Gruden as this like crusty old coach who, uh, you know, doesn't really know today's NFL, but he's doing his best. And, you know, he, he brings some interesting things to the table and him and Mike Mayock are trying to run this like old school philosophy in a world where the old school philosophy doesn't really work anymore. So they just end up drafting players from Clemson and Ohio state and calling it a day. Um, they don't really, other than Derek Carr, like connect with their players at all. Um, all of that sort of dovetails into this situation where it's like, in what world did anyone in that organization pick up the phone and think like, oh, we can, you know, make, you know, make amends for not only our biggest mistake as a franchise in recent memory, which there are a bunch, but also all of the follow-up mistakes where we've wasted these draft picks. Um, and we're just going to call and just see, Hey, you want to do Mulligan? Can we get a do over? <laughs> like it's just insanity. And I, I, I do not believe that there is any realistic world where this could have happened. And even I will be the first one to say, like, sure, pick up the phone and at least you, you never know if you don't ask. But this is one of those, like, you look like a dumbass just for asking, dude. Like, I, I've I've slow played the Raiders demise for a while. And I think there's a good chance that this season they can at least continue to hold their own. Um, but I'm having just as many, like, bad feelings about... Uh, Gruden and I've, I've said this since he took the job as down as I am on Urban Meyer's chances in Jacksonville I am still down that at some point it will be shown that John Gruden is a fraud and he he should not be a head coach in the NFL I, I wholeheartedly agree with that um there are a lot of people who are but yeah you can really sort of misplaced um sort of reverence for John Gruden from the time that he won Tony Dungy's Super Bowl so John Gruden, no, definitely not. Um, th this is hilarious. I mean, there, there's so much about this. This is funny. It's like, it's like you can't just call up every team that has a good player and like we're gonna call the Rams. Like, we, we're thinking about Aaron Donald. We like Aaron Donald. Like, can we have that call, that call? You could call the Packers and ask for Aaron Rodgers. They might be willing to talk to you. Maybe that would have been a better way to go. But the absurdity of this, the fact that they traded him away. And the whole discussion back then for the people who were the Gruden and Mayock apologists was, well, but, you know, the salary cap. No, no, no. Um, Khalil Mack is a piece that you build around, not a piece that you send off as a salary dump. And 
then it became about, well, but they don't look at the draft picks they got back. Well, look what they did with most of those draft picks from all of the interesting trades that they made. So, no, you, you can't just call up the Bears and go, gosh, that was like, mm, this is awkward. Um, we didn't really mean to give you that for so little, or we've wasted what we gave it to you for. This is like little kids when like they're feeling generous and you're like, I want you to have my favorite sticker <laughs> to some other kid. And then at the end of the day, when it's time for that kid to go home, you're like, Oh, you know what? Um, I, yeah, I, it's okay that you kept it for the afternoon, but I kind of need that back. That's, you know, I don't really want to part with that. Um, <laughs> what you gave me back was not a great trade. And then your mom has to give you a lecture about how when you give a gift, there's like no take backs. So as much as right, I am like right. deeply invested in the like Khalil Mack, Derek Carr friendship narrative. And I was very, very sad when they were split up um, because I love NFL friendships and between teammates. And I wanted them to be like together forever on the same roster. So that would be fun to see Derek Carr and Khalil Mack back together. No. Also, as a Khalil Mack fan, I mean, it's it's rare to say someone is better off with the Bears, but like I feel that he is better off with the Bears. So I'm, I, I can't allow this. Mm-mm. No. Yeah, this is it's wild to me, and and I mean, I guess you know if you're sitting there and you've always regretted that not working out, and you you know see something pop up on the oh like Bears in cap trouble, like oh hey maybe. Maybe you just trade him back. Maybe this will help. You know, I mean, it, it, it doesn't hurt to make a phone call unless, of course, it's it's so ridiculous that it ends up getting leaked to the media. Like, get a load of this guy. He called asking for Khalil Mack back. Um, I I think it is evidence, Shadi, like you said, this John Gruden experiment where he kind of took a middling team with some exciting young talent and some aging guys, and he got rid of some of the exciting talent, and he brought in some more aging guys and basically replicated the results and replicated the results and replicated the results. And and this team is what it is. Derek Carr hasn't really taken the next step and none of the veterans came in and had a huge impact. And then he brought in Mike Mayock, which is really interesting. And the end result of that has been that almost none of their draft picks over the last few years have become a regular contributor. Um, and another draft picks, like you said, that they got back has, has become a regular contributor. It's a very strange situation all around. And the, the end result of it is this is kind of a, a permanently mediocre team that doesn't have a direction. And, and even if you get Khalil Mack back, does that put them over the top? Like, like, you know, no, no, they're in a division with the chiefs. They're not even in the next tier of teams that are trying to get past the Ravens and the chiefs and the bills. And, you know, like they're not even in that Browns Titans Colts territory of, Hey, you know, if we just got like one more guy, one more playmaker caught a couple breaks, you know, we could be, you know, we could be the team that loses to Kansas City. We could be the team that loses to Buffalo. We could knock off one of them on our way to getting eliminated. Can't even get in front of the Chargers in their own division. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They're not in front of the Chargers. Like maybe they're in front of the Broncos, but at least the Broncos have a direction. You know, they're in the middle of a teardown and rebuild, right? The Raiders have been trying to win as many games as they can every year and they can't get more than eight. And it's like, okay, well, (laughs) this is, this is not good enough and it's going nowhere. So Gruden signed a 10-year, $100 million contract <laughs> to be the uh, then Oakland Raiders, now Las, Van- Las Vegas Raiders uh, 
head coach and he's gone four and 12, seven and nine and eight and eight. He took over a team that was nine and seven. He took over a team that yeah. just, yeah. or sorry, sorry, sorry. No, no, no. Nine and seven was his last year in, in Tampa Bay. He took over a team that was six and 10, but had gone 12 and four and lost in the wild card game just a couple of years ago. Like he didn't take over a hapless franchise, you know, Del Rio, it's had the exact same, like you said, it's just replicating results. Like, is he better than some of the last couple of guys were there? Is he better than Sperano? He's better than cable. Sure. But not by much. Uh, you are going to have just this persistent mediocrity for the next, however long, because this is not a team with a ton of fungible resources. This is not a team with a ton of disposable income to hand to John Gruden uh, and then hire a, a head coach who might actually be able, be able to get it done. Last thing I want to say here is what I'm worried for most, if I'm a Raiders fan um, or on behalf of Raiders fans, is that maybe this deal to bring Khalil Mack uh, in almost a uh, wistful thinking uh, sort of capacity. If that doesn't get deal- done now, does it get done in a couple of years? Like, do you overpay to have Khalil Mack return and retire as a Raider like two, three years down the road? Do you bring him in on one last veteran contract when he's like 32, 33? Because that seems like the sort of move that John Gruden is going to love. That seems like the Uh sort of move that has killed Uh the Raiders in the past. Because you let him up gave his the prime of his career to the Chicago bears. And if you are so hard up to bring this franchise superstar back, will you do it when he's 32, 33 and overpay for like three sacks a year? Because that feels like a very real possibility at this point. That is the most John Gruden move. And I can totally see it happening. Uh, I'm not sure if Gruden is still there. I'm not sure if Mike Mayak will be around to tell him no. Make sure you stick around Wednesday. We're going to come back with our big show midweek, like always. And we're going to take a long, hard look at the third preseason game slate. It doesn't quite mean the same thing it used to in previous years, uh, but it, it's it's maybe a little more interesting for it. Make sure you are subscribed. Make sure you are sharing the word. It's at 3OutPod on Twitter. We're also on Facebook. Any place you get your podcasts, rate review, subscribe, and share because we love what we're doing and want to keep doing it for you. In the meantime, stick around listening to 3 and Out, your national NFL podcast.